Good evening. I'm so happy to see everyone on tonight. Thank you for making the adjustment. We were having some issues with free conference. Um, and so decided to go ahead and switch on over to Zoom. So I see thankfully most of your email earlier. Um, I'm excited and uh, I'm, I'm excited about class yet also yeah, that's all I have. <laughs> but we're going to give God praise for what it is that he wants to do on tonight. I hope you have your pens and your papers ready. Amen. Um, hope your your hearts and your minds are ready as well for what it is that the Lord wants to say and do on tonight. Amen. We're going to go ahead and open up with a word of prayer. Amen. Father God, in the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus, we come before you, O God, to give your name the glory, the honor, and the praise. We thank you, O Lord, for this day. We thank you, O Lord, for this time and opportunity to sit at your feet, Lord God, to hear from you on tonight, oh God, to be challenged, to be changed, to be encouraged, to be convicted. God, whatever it is that you desire to do on tonight, we say, have your way, Holy Spirit. We surrender ourselves to you in the totality of who we are so that we can continue to grow and become the Christians, become the leaders, become the vessels that you so desire for us to become the wives, to become the husbands, to become the children, to be become the daughters, the sons, the parents of God, the friends, the mentors, whatever avenue of life of God that you have so graciously allowed us to partake in. God, we say on tonight, speak to our hearts and our minds. Even now, oh God, I pray that you allow us to hear, not with an offended ear, oh God, but with an ear desiring to be changed, oh God, desiring to reflect Christ truly in this earth realm. I even pray now, oh God, in the name of Jesus, all of those bloodline issues, all of those flesh issues, all of those uh, mindsets that we may have, oh God, that keeps us from reflecting the proper uh, attitude, the proper behavior, the proper temperaments, the godly temperaments that you have given us authority and ability to walk in God. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that whatever that is within us that is not like you, oh God, that you begin to destroy it by the power of your Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus Christ and raise up in us, oh God, the godly spirits, the spirits of the, the fruits of the spirits, those things that you have given us the ability to reflect because we now belong to you. I thank you in advance for what you shall do on tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So you guys know, um, but I'm excited to go forward. We started off our stewardship series talking about the fruits uh, uh, or the, the stewardship over talents and time. And we recapped that in our last lesson and God has truly been ministering to us and challenging us in that. So tonight, we are going to go over temperament. We are going over our temperament. Um, and I know, again, it's a different format for us tonight, but the chat is still open. Amen. So if you got anything to say, you can drop it in the chat on tonight. 
or you can unmute your phone, right? I mean, your your computer. So let's get into it on tonight, temperament. First, I want to start off with just somebody recapping for me. What is a steward? What is a steward? This is our, our, our foundational definitions as we've gone forward. So what is a steward? Anybody? Everybody going to be quiet on me at the same time? I'll give it a minute to see if anybody's trying to type anything in the chat. Someone responsible for what belongs to someone else. So a steward is one that has been entrusted to care for something as if it was theirs, knowing full well it belongs to someone else. A steward. This is why I said I want everybody to bring paper and notes, because what good is it for us to come together for class and teaching and pouring, and we are not retaining anything, just like in a regular class, right? A steward is one that has been entrusted to care for something as if it was theirs, knowing full well it belongs to someone else. So stewardship is the proper, well, let me say that again. Sorry, let me, a steward is one that has been entrusted to care for something as if it was theirs, knowing full well it belongs to someone else. That is a steward. So going forward, because we got quite a few more classes to go through on this journey in stewardship. When I ask you all what a steward is, that is the standard definition that I uh, want you all to retain. So stewardship is the proper managing of the resources God provides. Stewardship is the proper managing of the resources God provides by the leading of Holy Spirit. Stewardship is the proper managing of the resources God provides by the leading of Holy Spirit and ultimately brings God the glory and ultimately brings God the glory and edifies the body of Christ. Stewardship is the proper managing of the resources God provides by the leading of Holy Spirit and ultimately brings God glory and edifies the body of Christ. So when we talk about our temperament, we have to understand that our temperament, our attitude, is a resource that God has provided by the leading of Holy Spirit that should bring God glory and edifies the body of Christ. I want us to keep that in mind because there are a lot of times and a lot of ways that we say, think, and act in manners that do not glorify God and that do not edify edify the body of Christ. And we explain it away. And we're going to get into that tonight. 
because I believe that God is calling us into a season where we as believers stop explaining away the reasons why we think, feel, and act the way we do. It's time out for that. All right. So what is your temperament? Temperament is a person's nature, disposition, or attitude. Temperament is a person's nature, disposition, or attitude, especially as it permanently affects their behavior. Especially as it permanently affects their behavior. So your disposition, your attitude, it permanently affects your behavior. But watch this, not only does it permanently affect your behavior, but it it, it makes an impact in the lives of other people. It makes an impact on the body of Christ. Amen. Somebody is coming in and I need to to Thank you. Can I repeat that? What what part did you need me to repeat, Minister Aisha? I'm sorry. The definition of temperament. Okay. Temperament is a person's nature disposition, or attitude, especially as it permanently affects their behavior. A person's nature, disposition, or attitude, especially as it permanently affects their behavior. So we're going to go right into scripture on tonight. We're going to Romans chapter seven. Let's talk about it. Romans chapter seven. We're going to look at verses 18 through 25. Because here's our first key principle concerning stewardship over your temperament. Honest evaluation of one's nature must take place in order for one to accept the truth of their condition. I'm going to repeat that. Honest evaluation of one's nature must take place in order for one to accept the truth of their condition. That is our first key principle concerning stewardship over temperament. Somebody get Romans 7. Y'all know I like to be interactive. So can somebody get Romans 7, 18 through 25 for me? What was that, the truth? Honest evaluation of one's nature must take place in order for one to accept the truth of their condition. Thank you. 
You're welcome. So does anybody have Romans 7, 18 through 25? Yes. All right, Minister Josh. You have the floor. It's at 18, right? Yes, Romans 7, 18 through 25. Okay. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Thank you. Amen. We got to be honest with the fact that we are naturally born in a sinful condition. You, there are some people that will say, oh, no, I'm a good person. Oh, no, you, I, I, I don't commit certain things or oh no, I have a good disposition. The truth of the matter is none of us have a good disposition because the sin of the flesh exists in each and every one of us. We can't lie to ourselves and say, well, we need to stop lying to ourselves. One, that there is any good in us that exists outside of God. You may, you, you may have nice thoughts. You, you may, bottom line is the good that you actually do is because of the God that is within you. And a lot of times we allow the enemy or we allow other people or we allow situations and circumstances. One of the things that I love about this scripture is, how do I say this nicely? I'm not putting down uh, old school traditional church, right? But there are some things that have been said and that have been taught that are not scriptural. Right. For me, growing up, I was taught that if you roar to not sin, that means that you have no part of God. But when you read the scripture, it clearly states that there is an internal war going on within us because the sins of our flesh are warring against the power of the spirit. So when I think about this scripture and what I think about what he's saying is that we got to stop thinking that because we war that we're not in good fellowship with God. We're not in right fellowship with God. Truthfully, warming is really an indication that you are on the journey of surrendering your flesh to God. If you belong to God and you trying to live right for God, there should be a war in your, your flesh. Because you should be daily trying to surrender yourself daily, asking Holy Spirit to reveal more of who you are, more of your sin nature, more of your proclivities, more of the things that you have been predisposed to, to you so that you can surrender it to Holy Spirit so that you can overcome it. 
Stop letting other people or the enemy say, oh, you you warring not to sin in your flesh. You're not of God. No, that's an indication that I am trying to live for the Lord. And there's and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but a lot of times the enemy will condemn us when we find ourselves at war. But I want somebody to be free on tonight. You should be at war. There should be a struggle. You should be uncomfortable uh, uh, thinking certain things, doing certain things. You should be uncomfortable. Why? Because that uncomfortability is indication that the Holy Spirit dwells within you and the sin that you want to do, you find when you're walking in the spirit and we'll get into that a little a little later in the lesson but when you're walking in the spirit you the spirit of god will make your flesh uncomfortable it is not uncommon for us to have thoughts we we really shouldn't be having why because we are dealing with fleshly things here's the difference and here's the difference when it comes to your your temperament You have to learn how to deal with your fleshly issues, deal with your fleshly desires instead of making excuses as to why they still exist. We are terribly good and comfortable with making excuses as to why we do the things we do because it's comfortable, because it's common, because it's known, or because simply we don't want to do the work of surrendering. But when you're dealing with your temperament, And again, we're going to dive into this a little later. You can't walk in your flesh and your spirit at the same time. You can war, but you can't walk. You're going to have a war in your your members, in your body, flesh against spirit, but you can't walk. You have to walk one or the other. And I want to admonish somebody. If you, let me not get help myself. All right. Um. No, I'm going to say it. If there's no internal struggle and you do not feel bad about the sin you commit in God's presence, if you can sin and sleep comfortably, then you and I need to repent and ask God to reconnect us truly to the Holy Spirit. You should not be able to sin in God's presence and have absolutely no regard or or the Holy Spirit does not prick your heart and your mind to cause you to a place to cut it out. This is the difference between committing a sin and living in sin. We are sinful. We, we, We are sinful creatures right? And there are times we are going to commit a sin. We're going to do something or say something we should not. The difference is when you are living a surrendered life to the Holy Spirit, when Holy Spirit brings to your recollection or brings to your mindset that you are living in a way that's outside of God's will for your life, you will repent. Meaning you, you're not just coming to God saying, I'm sorry, but you're coming to God saying, I'm sorry, and making an intentional decision to turn from that. That's what warring in your in your flesh is about. You war in your flesh because you have these thoughts, you have these desires, but you recognize this is not of God. And so let me surrender this to the Holy Spirit. But when you have an understanding, but yet still choose to live in a sinful way, that means you ain't warring. You've given completely over to your flesh. And woe be unto us for giving over to our flesh. Because he says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this this body of, of death? Here's the thing. We don't have to succumb to the death that resides in us because of our flesh. Why? Because Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we can be freed from the power of sin. The cross did, did three things. It, it freed us from the penalty of sin, which was death. 
It frees us from the power of sin when we surrender. And it's going to free us from the presence of sin when he comes back for us and brings us into eternal glory. The cross of Christ does three things concerning sin. It freed us from the penalty. It saved us from the penalty. The fact of the matter is we all deserve the death that Christ died on the cross because of our sinful nature. But because he chose to be the once and for all sacrificial lamb for us, he took on our penalty. So praise be unto God. He, we don't have to pay that penalty. We, it was a debt we could not pay. So he paid it on our behalf. But not only did he pay the penalty, he has given us the ability to be free from the power of sin. Some of us are not free from the power of sin because we don't want to be, because we want we don't want to be disciplined, because we don't want to be surrendered, because we don't want to give up the things of the flesh, because we have been infected by the things and the thoughts and the ways of the world. We have to get to a place where all of those things, and I promise I'm going to give you more scripture, but, but we have been free from the power of sin. So although we might think those things and feel those things and want to do those things when we surrender to the holy spirit he gives us the ability he he that's what it means when he has made a way of escape every sin that presents itself in your members the holy spirit has given you a way of escape you just gotta pay attention to the way of escape instead of the way of your flesh the way of the things that you desire to do and then again the cross of christ has has given us or will give us a freedom from the presence of sin when we go on to glory sin will not be in the heavens with the lord amen amen um um and so when we talk about living in sin or or our temperaments and i'm and i'm gonna i promise i'm, I'm getting there but but I, I holy spirit really wanted me to 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 touch on this a little bit more because i know all of us have have heard or uh said or been around people that's like, oh, this person is a in a, in a backslidden state, right? And I don't think we understand how condemning that statement is, or how we try to condemn one another. Because um, the truth of the matter is, we all have been in a backslidden state, whether it was um, by a certain action, right? Because we think, though, oh, for a person to be in a backslidden state, they had to do something terribly egregious to to the Lord, like terrible sinful like you 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 what's the nice way of saying what i was getting ready to say you're sleeping around or or you totally disobedient to god by or you committed murder or um you just living willfully outside of the the will of god but truth be told when you don't live um (laughs) jesus when you're at it, when you have a horrible attitude, when you are a nasty quote unquote Christian, because there's no such thing as a nasty Christian, we're gonna get into that because that's not a fruit of the spirit. But but that's a backslidden state too. We always want to say, oh, it's only these certain. You a cheater? You a liar? You stole? You an adulterer? Or you in a backslidden state? But the truth of the matter is, if you're committing any sin, that's not that. If you're committing any sin, period, or if you're living in any way that's a, a directly against or d- directly reflective of the world and not of God, you're in a backslidden state. If you always cussing folk out because you angry or because they ticked you off. You're in a backslidden state. Why? Because that that is not 
a characteristic of God. You have slid back from the principle that God has told you to live according to the biblical principles. If you hate your neighbors, guess what? You have backslidden from the principle that God has gave you and the directive that God has given you to love your neighbors as you love yourself. And I want us to, even with that though, I want us to understand that being in a backslidden state doesn't mean you have lost your relationship with God. You haven't lost your relationship with God. However, your fellowship is hindered because of willful disobedience. And this is why we say, stay in a repentful state. Stay in a state where you are asking God to show you you. We don't have time to be looking at what everybody else is doing, how they're living, what they're saying. We got enough of our own stuff for the Holy Spirit to clean up on a daily basis. We don't have time to sit around in judgment, time to sit around and say, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. No, all the time that we have is the time to reflect on what it is that God has called us to do. Some of us make the mistake of trying to make natural desires fit in a spiritual construct and then we're wondering why our lives are unstructured unfulfilled and dishonoring to God and others guess what your temperament plays a large part uh, a, a humongous part into the things that are happening in and around your life how you are receiving the word of God how you are operating in the word of God how you are impacting other people how you are impacting your own life and the purpose that God has given you when you feel like I'm big and bad enough to do what I want to do because I'm grown that's my life and nobody have to deal with the consequences but me that is a foolish statement for any of us to make because the truth of the matter is as a represent uh, as a representative of God you are not in control of yourself you you do not have the right to say what you will and will not do how you will and will not react how you will and will not respond how you will or will not talk to people how you will or will not receive people because you are not representing you it's like a marriage we say that all the time you will say things like oh you you'll know what's the saying uh you'll know if uh, a a man is a good man by the happiness on his wife or you'll know What's some of the the things that we say? You'll know that it's a good marriage, uh, depending on how she, you know, the marriage is reflected on the wife or blah, 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 and all the stuff that we say. But guess what? Your marriage to God, your relationship with God is reflected on how you act, how you represent him. So when we open our mouths to speak to people, when we are in relationships with people, when we are operating in our gifts, talents, and abilities, our attitude, our temperament says a lot about our relationship with God. All right? So warring is not uncommon. Warring in your flesh doesn't mean that you don't have a relationship with God. Warring means that you understand that um, that I was... as the bible says i was born in sin and shaping in iniquity but those things don't have power over us and we're going to get into that a little bit more right now but before i go any further any questions or comments before we get to point two promise i'm gonna try and have y'all here eight o'clock promise 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 questions comments you can unmute yourself or you can drop it in the chat if not i'm gonna go to point two and we're gonna go to some more scripture All right. 
being a good steward over your temperament requires to one requires one to understand how you are is not how you are to remain being a good steward over your temperament requires one to understand how you are is not how you are to remain Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. That's our first scripture. So somebody get 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 for me. And can someone read 2 Corinthians 5 and 17? And then somebody else get Ephesians 4, 20 through 31 ready. So that's our second scripture for this point. 5, 5 and 17. Okay. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, creation, creature, sorry. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. That's from the New American Standard. You wanted me to read the New King James? Yes, please. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen. All things have become new. Let's let's talk about it in a realistic sense when we're talking about our temperament and our attitudes. Um, not only do we have to be honest about our 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 nature right our sinful nature but we have to be honest about the fact that there are several elements we are predisposed to again our flesh our bloodline our upbringing our surroundings and our relationships let me say that again there are certain elements in life that we are predisposed to that have a a a way of shaping our attitude and our behavior again our flesh our bloodline, our upbringing, our surroundings, and our relationships, okay? All of these things contribute to the behaviors we exhibit. So I can't talk about anybody else but myself. There were ways that were acceptable in my household, things that I were taught, that I was taught before I came to Christ. Each and every one of us have had different things that we were taught my mama taught me somebody come for you 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 take them out just point blank period there's no there was no conversation there wasn't giving them opportunity to explain themselves or sit down break bread figure things out nope if they were nasty to you you would turn however they acted with you you act with them right there were things in my bloodline like anger um hostility things that trickled down from generation to generation. There were things in my surroundings. I grew up in my neighborhood with all boys. It was two girls on our block and like 15 boys. So all I saw all the time was fighting. Everybody fought. That was their way of communication. If they did not like something you said, they fought. 
if they did not like on Bentley Avenue in Jersey City, Bentley and Gifford, and Gifford was woo-wee when I was growing up. If they didn't like how you treated them, they were going to a, a physical war. Then there were things that I picked up in relationships because, and I thank God that God has has saved and healed me from these things, right? But in abusive relationships, there were ways that I picked up, ways of handling people, ways of, I felt that in that time that I had to do to protect myself, right? All of these things had a way of constructing my attitude. So, um, and then just worldly things. And, and I've had to recently even repent of this one. And Minister Aisha is going to laugh when I say it. <laughs> I'm a Scorpio. So however you get it, that's what you get. Cause that's, that's how I am. And the Holy Spirit said, so you mean to tell me that it is, that you are comfortable with relaying a message to people that you you have the right to act the way you do, or you have the right to talk to people the way that you do, or you have the right to carry around this certain disposition because of an astrological sign that you're not even supposed to align yourself with. You think that it's okay. And this is what I say when we can't continue to make excuses of, of how we act or our attitudes just because these are things we have been predisposed to. Yes, there are things that have happened in our families. Some of us grew up in abusive households. Some of us have gone through abusive relationships. Some of us have been in neighborhoods where violence was the, the way of communication. But when you become a new creation in Christ, all of those old ways, all of those old mindsets, all of those old ways of operation have to be put to death. You can no longer, we can no longer say, well, that's how I am. That's how I grew up. Everybody knows that's, that's how I act. So, but, and they love me and they understand that's an excuse to live outside of the way that God has called us to be. Listen, we may have been predisposed to those things, but once we are exposed to God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, there has to be a change of management concerning our attitudes and behaviors. We can no longer give ourselves an out because of things that we've been through. We can't give ourselves out because of how we feel. We can't give ourselves an out because of other people. We have to, at all costs, be willing to say, God, you know what? I understand and recognize that I have a, I have a, uh, uh, I've been hurt. So I have a defensive mechanism that causes me to shut up this, or put up this wall of people to keep myself from, from being hurt again. Cause that's what we feel. God, I ain't gonna never let this happen to me again right? But here's the thing. When we live for God and when we are his, we have to entrust that he will keep us from experiencing certain things again if we follow him fully. But it doesn't give us the right to act in any manner that is beneath or outside of the fruits of God's spirit. We don't get to say, God, I'm going to act out in my flesh in this situation. Here's what we say. All they know is this, God, so this one I'm going to give them. Right, all they may know is, is, 
you know, getting cursed out. All they may know is being talked down to, but that isn't all that he wants you to show them. We are not here to show the world what they already know. We are not here to show the world what they have already become comfortable to. We are here to show the world what God has and who God is through our disposition. And I gotta, and I'm trying not to, I promise I'm trying not to get ahead of myself, but, but, but it's just like, we don't, I'm going to say it because we got to stop making other people scapegoats for our lack of self-control. We are good with that. I promise I was trying not to go there, but we got to stop making other people scapegoats for our our lack of self-control. God, I'm all right. God got me going all over the place. Nope, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a stay. I'm gonna stick to my notes. I'm, a, I'm gonna come back to that point, though. I promise, I'm coming back to that point. Okay. But to excuse acting in the flesh as, well, that's who I am, or I've always been like this. People know how I am, and they love me, or I'm too old to change, or I'm, I'm young, so I got time to get it right. Guess what that is? It's an indictment against your faith confession. Because here it is. Here's something that we all confess, and I don't think that we have looked at it in the totality of what it really means. We are real quick to say, I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When we're when we're facing a challenge. And we think we can't do it. I can do all things. When God reveals a purpose to us, I can do all things. When God is trying to repair some things, I can do all things. So you mean that you could do all things through Christ who strengthens you except change? You could do all things through Christ except watch how you talk to people. Watch how you respond. Watch how you react to certain situations and circumstances. First of all, we're not called to react. Reacting is a fleshly is a is a flesh a fleshly mode of operation. We're called to respond through the Holy Spirit. Sometimes that means saying nothing. Sometimes that means taking a step back. Sometimes it means cutting the conversation and coming back at a later time so that we can speak in a manner that is edifying to that person and pleasing to God. But what we do, and I really am not trying to get ahead of myself, but we oh, we expose, tell me Jesus. We expose our weaknesses to the enemy and to people will say they know that gets under my skin because you keep exposing that that's what gets under your skin you tell the enemy too too many of us don't watch our language enough and even just in regular conversations to recognize the things we give the enemy access to for him to be able to attack us in those manners Stop exposing ourselves to the enemy. Well, I've been hurt, so that's just how I am. It's not how you are. It's who you have be. It's who you have. Is what you have known to become, or what you have accepted because of the things that you have been through, because of the situations and circumstances that you have encountered. It is not who you are called to be. It is not who you create. Who you are created to be. None of us were created. Listen, the Bible says that we were created in the image of God. 
when we look at the attributes of God, angry, nasty, jealous, prideful, hurting other people, hateful, depressed, suicidal, judgmental. We don't find that stuff in the characteristics of God. So if these characteristics don't exist in God, why in the world do we allow them to exist in us? It's because we haven't learned to master the things of our flesh because we haven't learned how to master surrendering to Jesus Christ as Lord. But we have to be willing to change. We have to be willing to say, yeah, that's who I was because of what I've been through and because I didn't have the relationship with God. I didn't have the biblical principles. But once you are exposed to God, once you are exposed to the love of God, the love of God, the exposure to God's love, if you allow it to, will begin to caress your heart and your mind. And 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 not that it completely dissipates your your feelings or your experiences, right? But when you surrender to Christ, it allows the Holy Spirit to begin to do that transformation within us. And let me help you. We gotta we gotta be willing to surrender to the Holy Spirit in totality. We cannot give Holy Spirit some of us and then keep back some of us and then wonder and then expect everything to work out in our lives. What do you do when we are being used as a scapegoat? Where does self-defense come into a play in these situations, if it comes into play at all? What do you do when you are being used as a scapegoat? So when you say being used as a scapegoat, what are you talking about? Because when I said using other people as a scapegoat, um, meaning this, um, somebody does something to you or you're in a heated argument with somebody, right? And they get on your last nerve because we have exposed what that last nerve looks like to them. So they know how far to push, how far to push us to push us over that fleshly edge. So you curse them out. You cursing them out wasn't their fault. It doesn't matter how much they did to take you off. The issue is still a self-control issue because no matter what you do or say, I, I'm still responsible of how I react. I'm still responsible for what it is that I said. I think what you're talking about may be something a little different um, when you're being used as a scapegoat, when somebody else doesn't want to own up to their actions and make it your fault, then you have to ask Holy Spirit, how can you remove yourself from that situation or how you can recreate boundaries. Sometimes we forget that we have the right and responsibility to recreate boundaries, regardless to who it is. Cause let's be honest in our culture, we're unfortunately taught that they, it, it, you know, certain relationships, you know, you can't just honor them or you can't disrespect them. Or, you know, if it's family, you know, you got to love them regardless. Yeah. You got to love them regardless, but that don't mean I have to keep exposing myself for you, to you for you to keep dishonoring me. That's not love. Love does not mean I give you full access to keep dishonoring me so I can love on you. Love means that God forbid, if something is, is a gorgeously wrong in your life, if you really needed me, I'm going to be there from you. I'm, I'm going to love on you. However, loving you doesn't mean that you get to tear me down. No, you have the right to put up a godly boundary. You have a right to tell this person, you no longer have permission or this type of access to me. 
And what you do is you pray for them. Lord, reveal them to themselves. Because here's the other thing. Nine times out of 10, somebody that makes other people a scapegoat is somebody that's, that has been hurt and somebody that has been dealt with the particular way and they've never dealt with their pain. They've never dealt with their hurt. They've never dealt with their issues. So the only way that they know how to deal with their issues is to put it off on somebody else. But you ask Holy Spirit, uh, Holy Spirit, be like a, a reflector. Let that stuff bounce off. Lord, Holy Spirit, don't even, uh, don't allow it to impact me in a way. And sometimes, depending on who it is, we make the mistake of owning other people's issues because they dump it. But you have to help ask Holy Spirit to help you uh, recognize you're not a dumping ground. And there are sometimes you can't stop somebody from saying what they're going to say. You can't ask Holy Spirit to help you not receive it. You don't have to receive what they dump on you. I hope that, did I help you with that? But if somebody's always trying to use you as a scapegoat because they don't know how or don't want to deal with their issues. You, there are sometimes that even if it's temporary, you got to sever that connection. And ask Holy Spirit, Lord, help them to deal with what it is that they're going through. Help them to deal, help them to see it. Help them to heal from it, God. Help them to have an understanding. God, send somebody else that can give a word or give some encouragement or give some wisdom to why they are that way. All right? Any other facts separate? Oh, yes. Separate and intercede in that space. I can't, I can't, I love you, but I can no longer allow you this amount of access to me because it's creating a level of toxicity that God did not require, or God did not create for me to be in. Here's the hard part. They ain't gonna talk about you. Because if they already, you know, don't know how to own their stuff, they're going to talk about you and they're going to try and make it your fault. And they're going to try and say all manner of things about, oh, they don't love me. And oh, da, da, da. let them talk. Be okay with that. Sometimes we got to learn to be okay with severing connections with people and not owning their nonsense. You don't have to own it. If you know the truth of the matter is that they are putting off their stuff on you because they are too afraid to handle it and you've done nothing wrong. See, sometimes we allow what people say to us to hurt and impact and destroy us on the inside because of the relationship or because of what they said or they might, because here's what the enemy likes to do. He'll try and put in a snippet of truth with the rest of the lie. And all we, all we heard was the snippet of truth. And we take on the whole lie. You ain't got to take on nobody else, stuff. They're going to talk about you. Other people going to rally with them. Other people are like, oh, yeah, I can't believe she. I'm not. Nope, enemy, we're not doing none of that. You can keep all of that. I love y'all. It don't matter if you talk. I know within my heart and God knows that I didn't do nothing that that, that was harmful to this person. I'm going to pray for you, pray for y'all, and I'm going to keep my space clear. You, you got to keep your space clear. Make the whole fam stop talking to you, but pray for pray for them anyway. Yeah, listen, setting boundaries, being silent is the best way. Can I can I tell you? And I told my husband this the other day. I've been in a season of silence, and I understand now that God has me a season of silence so I can learn how to better tell on my tongue. Because can pastor be honest? 
what that scripture saying, James 14? What is it? James 14 and 7? I mean, 4 and 17? Let me see. I think that's, listen, God is dealing with my tongue because I grew up in a space where talking to certain people a particular way was okay once you were frustrated and once you were angry or once you were hurt or once they pushed that button. But God was like, no, that's not okay. I didn't tell you tomorrow it was okay to cuss somebody out because they got on your nerve. Nope. I didn't tell you. And here's, can I be honest? And the Lord had to deal with me on this. I tried to be slick with it and was like, okay, God, but I'm not going to curse them out, but I'm going to get them all the way straight. And I'm going to hurt their feelings without even letting them know that I hurt their feelings because I'm going to use so many educated words to put them down that they're not not even going to understand. I just put them down. And God was like, what's your motive? Just because you use clean words to cuss somebody out, if you're using words to intentionally inflict harm, what does that say about your temperament? What does that say about your self-control? And what does that say about your motive? You don't get a pass just because you stop using those four-letter words and, and, and start using other words. The bottom line is still this. If it's not edifying, you're still in, in sin. If it's not edifying, that's still not the temperament that I called you to be. If, it's, if your intent is to hurt their feelings, you are outside of God's will and you are not walking in the temperament of the Holy Spirit point blank period and I had to repent because I was like wait a minute so in a season God was like hmm shut up and just learn to be quiet learn to be quiet because you have to figure out what is your issue that you can't control yourself when you get angry because we'll always do it this is what I mean making a scapegoat but God they pissed me off I don't care how I don't care how they acted you're in control of your time just like they're in control of yours. And just because they lost control of their self, that don't give you the right to lose control with them. Oh, we'll, we'll justify it though. God, you know, you know, you, you know, I'm West Indian and you know, we got tempers. God is like, I don't care nothing about that. God, you know, I'm from, I'm, I'm from Brick City. I'm, I'm from New York. You know how we get down. God was like, what they got to do with me? What they got to do with the principles that I gave you? You know how we do, Sister Terry. You know, we from Chilltown, JC. You know how we get down. Miss Aisha don't get mad, but I'm from Brooklyn. You know how we do. God was like, I don't care about the the location you grew up with. (laughs) You're supposed to be representing me now, not your hood. You're supposed to be representing the kingdom. You, You busy representing your hood. The Lord don't care nothing about that. The Nazareth, what? <laughs> I'm not messing with y'all. Ephesians 4.20. Come on, I lied. I'm, I, I, we gonna be over a little bit over 8 o'clock. I'm sorry, I tried. I hope I answered your question, Sister Terry. Come on, let's go to Ephesians 4.20 through 31. I'm gonna read it. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, 
the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but that what but but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers and watch this. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of, rege- of redemption Let or bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. Ephesians 4, chapter 20, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 20 through 31. When you are a steward of your temperament, when you are a believer, when you are walking on this journey with the Lord Jesus Christ, when you recognize that you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, you are to put away all of these things. Stop giving yourself reasons to do what you don't, what what you're not supposed to do. Stop giving yourself reasons out of living according to God's Holy Spirit. And this is one thing that the Holy Spirit dropped in my, my heart when I was reading this. Some of us have not yet mastered operating in the things of the Spirit because we are too busy mourning things of the flesh. Some of us have not yet mastered operating in the things of the spirit because we are too busy mourning the things of the flesh. God, if I don't act like that, they're going to think I'm a punk and they're going to think they can get over with me. So I really can't let that go. I really can't let that guard down because if I let that guard down, then people will have access to hurt me. And God is saying, but do you really think that as an ambassador for me, that you acting in that way is, is allowing me to work through you to get to them? Some of us got to realize that we are conduits of the Holy Spirit to draw other people to God, but we cannot draw people to God if we acting like them. We cannot draw people to God if we are being judgmental, if we are here lying, if we are here hoeing, if we are here stealing, if we are here cussing, I said it, if we are here doing all manner of things that don't reflect God and then make an excuse as to why we do things the way that we do it. Well, someone's so in doing it and they ain't have no consequences. What? So-and-so act like that? He calls people out all the time. He he still got this mega church. You think that's okay in the eyes of God? People that are living outside of the will of God will deal with their own consequences. What in the world are we trying to compare how somebody else is living or making excuses as to why we don't have to operate in the spirit of God? We can no longer afford to operate in our flesh and call ourselves 
kingdom ambassadors. You know, all these nice little terms we got now. I'm an ambassador for Christ or I'm, a, you know, I'm a representative of the kingdom and all the stuff that we say. And all you're doing is represent more of, of who you are, more of what you've picked up in the world. Your temperament, you got to learn how to control your attitude. You got to learn how to control your speech. You got to learn how to control how you treat other people. And and we're going to get to that in Galatians. If you're not treating people with the fruits of the spirit that God has given you, woe unto you because we will give an account for every false word, every hurtful word, every hurtful demeanor, every action that we take, we will give an account to God. God is, we're not going to get before the beam of seat of Christ and God say to Mara, why on such and such a day did you cuss your husband out, God? Because you saw what he did and you know that's a, don't put your hands up, and you know that's a, that's a hot point for me, God. You know what I've been through. And this Negro went and then God was like, uh-uh. But you were in control of your mouth. And you know what I said in the word. I can't pick it, y'all. Tamara, why you smack that girl in the office? God, because you know I don't play when it comes to people cussing me. And God was like, but what did I tell you to do? Tell me in, in where in my word did you find that smacking people because she got on your nerve. That ain't, the, that ain't the right hand of fellowship that the, we were commanded to give. And we joke about stuff like that all the time, but we're going to give an account for that. There are things in Christianity that, that has become common. And it's only common because too many of us don't want to deal with the reality of putting ourselves in check. And so we'll joke about things that we have no business joking about. We have accepted things that as a body of believers, we should not have accepted. And it's too common. And I really believe that what God wants to do in this season is to get us to break up with the things that have been that have become common in our culture. <laughs> Lord help us. That dishonor God. We have a commonality in Christian culture right now that dishonors God. And we have become so blinded by some of the ways that we do and some of the ways that we act that we don't even realize the negative impact we're having. Joking about somebody else's misfortunes, it's not a temperament that God gave us. We do it all the time and we're wrong for it. Making excuses for losing control because we don't like what somebody else did or said is common in God's kingdom. But it's dishonoring to God and it's not edifying. And I know growing up, you know, we had this thing, oh, they act holier than thou. But it's not about acting holier than thou. It's about acting holier than your flesh. I remember growing up that, you know, you would have my godmother, God rest her soul, one of my godmothers used to say, you really get her mad, she would say. She would just say, God, I bless your name, and just walk away. It was like, Aunt Sadie, just 
Why are you always acting like that? Why don't you just say what's on your mind? And she would say, I can't say what's on my mind because what's on my mind is not of God. And I refuse to dishonor God. And people in the church used to be like, oh, there goes Saint Sadie acting holier than thou. But the more I grew in God, the more I understood what she was doing. She was literally teaching us that you have to be in control of your mind, in control of your mouth, in control of your actions, and recognize when you are at your tipping point enough to say, you know what? I don't know. I'm, if I say anything else but bless the Lord, I'm going to dishonor God. And because I choose not to dishonor my father, I'm going to say, bless the name of the Lord and walk away. Because anything else is going to, it's not going to, cursing somebody out, don't edify them. Telling somebody off about who they are or what you feel about what they've done, that ain't edifying them. It's, It's not speaking grace. And it says here, speak grace. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary edification. Your temperament, your disposition, if your disposition is one that is not edifying other people or giving God glory, you have the wrong disposition. If you are short-tempered, you have the wrong disposition. If you are easily angered, you have the wrong disposition. If cursing somebody out is your resolution for, for conflict resolution, you are in the wrong disposition. If being impatient is your response to things that happen that you don't like, you are carrying the wrong disposition. Your temperament is off. And if your temperament is off, then we need to go back and check our relationship, our connection with the Lord. We got to go and we get ready to go to Galatians. We got to think, we got to find out what spirit is really driving us. What about leaders that are raising up the next generation of leaders with nasty temperaments? Baby, woe be unto them. All I could do is pray for them because that, you know, I was, I didn't want to go there, but you have. Because I have a question because you said it's become basically (laughs) the accepted norm. And I know being in church my entire life, I see all of it. And it's like you watch leaders with the nastiest temperaments across the board, the way they speak to people, their disposition, their mannerisms, their lack of appreciation for whether it be their armor bearers. And I think Minister Josh touched on this Sunday when he preached. And it's like, you are held number one at a greater charge because you know better and your responsibility is to bring them up or train them up in the things of God with that God nature so now they don't think anything is wrong so across cultural lines and generation after generation we're seeing these disgusting temperaments these nasty dispositions and all it is and I'm saying disgusting that's that's the nice way to put it in the church because so many people accept it because it's like, oh, well, I'm training them and you have to be forceful or they think that it's okay because they're doing it in the name of Jesus. But that's not Jesus. That's not the spirit of Christ. And it's like, how do you get away from that? Because what's happening is as they're brazen up new leaders, they're raising them up with that same, that nasty residue. And then 
if they come into something, okay, let's say they come to abundant and they're going to hear this, they're going to be like, well, you have to be this way because they, that's how they were taught and they think that it's okay. And this is prevalent in our black church, that, and especially in the day of the mega church where you have people idolizing and putting their leadership on the pedestal as if them and Christ are the same or them and God are the same. So that's a, I probably, that was a whole nother issue, but that it's a big issue. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is a big issue. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, you got me messed up again. <laughs> right, exactly. Because, well, we talked about this because, like I said, by one famous thing about body price is I said, you know, just how toxic and unhealthy is, where I see people post all the time, like I was just saying, you know, people won't be like, oh, am I punk if I don't do this or that? And you know what sadly has been passed down? There are there the the emerging leaders of the body of Christ. They always say, you know, they always basically say, "Oh, if you can't handle being talked like that, you shouldn't be in ministry, or you're a punk, you're a you know." Some of them use the actual words, and I'd be shocked, you know. Yeah, and I'm like, so y'all think it's healthy to talk like that, you know, to or that? Oh, if you can't handle corrections, like no, because if you know it's in the Bible. Well, when Jesus talked to the Pharisees, yes, he was a little, <laughs> but when Jesus talked to his disciples, when Paul and the other people wrote letters to the church, they would say what needed to be corrected, but they would be certain to do it in love and with encouragement, not just yelling at somebody, making them feel like a dog or, you know, when you see videos go viral, because I, uh, I don't want to say names. Well, it's only seven of us, so and we ain't gonna get in trouble. It's a private, but <laughs> there was a viral. That was on the website. It does. What? Oh, okay, okay. The viral. There was a viral video of a certain famous female prophet that went viral. It was from years ago, but the female prophet was literally yelling and fussing. In this giant church, because like I talked about, I think they didn't bring her water to her fast enough. And so many people, and of course, she just, she stopped her sermon to go on this random tangent about mm-hmm. like how armor bears aren't doing their job and yada, yada, yada. And mm-hmm. and and how um, people were basically trend- sharing the video saying this that old school rebuke. That's why these ministers are weak now because they don't, they can't handle this guy. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I said, but that just shows the pathology because you got to remember when you talk to people like that, you don't know if they was yelled at. I mean, because there's this between discipline and just straight up abuse. You know, you don't know if that's something they dealt with with a parent or with a family member or if people been talking down on them their whole lives. And for them to get that in the church, especially if they're trying to serve in ministry, they don't know. Well, how that's, you know, triggering them or affecting them. But yeah, we got to do better. And it just shows how toxic it is that, like you said, now this generation thinks it's okay or that, oh, you don't, oh, that you know how to handle correction. But there's a thin, very, very, very thin line between rebuke and abuse. So it just be crazy just because somebody didn't do something in time that you honestly could have did yourself like you know bring your ipad up or something like that i really oh. want to know where you were that that happened at because you mean we're ready to say something yes I got, I got i'm sorry yeah it, i'll be quick um minister josh and minister ice you both brought up a really really valid point but it goes to 
temperament. Just in your example, Minister Josh, you had enough uh, enough of a temperament not to respond back worldly to those people that disregarded you, disrespected you, um, ha was ha trying to have you jump through hoops and things like that, right? You responded back in a godly manner and said, listen, I have to follow up, I have to be behind a leader that's able to teach me the correct way. And what we what the church is going through right now is a rebirth, a rebranding of sorts. Because when you look at Abundant Hope and you look at a lot of other churches that had these horrible issues and things like that, there's a huge difference in the two. So there are new, there are pastors, there are ministers, there are uh, religious leaders that are looking to do it God's way and not just their way. That's a part of temperament is knowing when to get away from a situation. That's a big part of temperament is, okay, I'm going to hold my tongue. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to uh, tell this person off. I'm not going to make sure they know how I feel and things like that. I'm going to speak my peace to a sense. I'm going to do it in a proper way, but I'm going to remove myself from that situation and move into a better situation for myself uh, because that's the way God is. That's what, where God is leading me to. So, both situations that you guys both spoke about leads to temperament. And you can't worry about, and pastor said this earlier, you can't worry about how God is going to discipline the other pastors, the other religious leaders who are doing it wrong. The downside of it is, is the, the ones that are choosing to do it correctly have to fight that much harder. We have to fight four or five times harder than the ones that are doing it wrong. And we have to continuously be that, that the, the armor bearer for God, honestly, and, and, and carry that torch and say, you know what, I'm going to consistently do this right. And when I see it being done wrong, yes, I will uh, 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 attempt to course correct that person, but you're not going to be able to course correct everybody. You have to put into their, into their situation of here's what, here's what was wrong, here's how to make it right. And they have to be able to say, I'm going to walk that on their own. You can't force it. So that part of temperament is saying, okay, I know when to get away. I know when to interject when I see something wrong, but I also know what I should be doing. Was that understandable or did I sound weird? No, you didn't. No, that was good. And yeah, no, because right, this was an easy off. Like I said, you know, well, the, I remember when I remember a few years ago when I made those decisions, people told me, you making decisions that I haven't heard people make until they was like 40 and 50 years old. But it's like I said, I had the mindset that even though I'm young, I don't have time to waste growing up or being around mainly through like schooling and church settings, growing up through a lot of abuse in school and church settings. I'm like, no, I'm not going. If I see the pattern, you know, I wasn't going to settle. But yeah, it was hard because like I said, that's why I thank God for it's like how the Bible says, you know, doing an integrity, because one thing I learned is even when you do it integrally, people will still speak of your, I forgot how it's worded, you know, speak, you'll do the good thing, you'll say it right, you'll leave right, you know, you won't just run off, you try to mean you're very pleasant when you explain your reason, all of that, but it'll still be speaking evil of, but that's why I love my two examples that came up while she, while Pastor was here tonight, I was thinking of 
when Jesus, you know, when his own people didn't receive him to the point that, you know, their temperament got out to the point where they wanted to throw him off the cliff. And I love how Jesus, it said, I know, I know he was hurt, all of that, but I said, how say, you know, Jesus just found a way to kind of move through the crowd to not get thrown off the cliff, but to not backlash on because I remember there was one time where there was another place where they were being disrespected and how quick the disciples were to tell him, um, Lord, c- couldn't you call down fire, you know, to burn these people up? And then Jesus like, no, we are not doing that here, you know, and because that because it's like one thing I had to learn when dealing with some situations, especially with church people because there are some saints and then I learned there's a lot of church people that aren't necessarily saints that don't have the spirit of Christ or aren't really operating in it but one thing I've learned is that they are sheep just like we are and that I have to and that's one thing that helped me is remembering Lord they got on my last but at the same time I have to be patient. I have to be prayerful because at the end of the day, they are still your sheep. Maybe they weren't shown, like you said, a certain level of love, or maybe, you know, that's how they are, but they need to learn how to get it together. But the only way I'll do that is let me back away. Let me bite my tongue. Let me pray and intercede for you, Holy Spirit, to do the work, to convict, to show them you know, where they were wrong so that, you know, I don't end up pushing them away from the body of Christ by responding or by reacting or by, you know, meeting what meeting what they gave me, you know, with a similar response. But yeah, not being so quick to call down fire on somebody, but learning how, you know, to just, like I said earlier, back down intercede you know don't go back and forth which is my favorite saying that y'all know but yeah you know so just been really learning now it's has a bit easy but i said the fruit is easier because then the fruit gets better after it's because now you learn how to truly walk with christ because we say we want to know him but the bible says you're only going to know him through the fellowship of his sufferings as a man who left himself naked and open for the cross or people that hurt him, you know, so. So I want to go back to uh, Minister Aisha because she said, what about leaders that are raising up the next generation of leaders with nasty temperaments? And this is something that the Holy Spirit dropped in my spirit and then we're going to go to scripture. We ask that question, this is what I heard in the spirit. That they've intertwined worldliness with godliness and stamped it with theological statements to hide the truth of their nature to build their platform and not God's kingdom. So they don't use biblical truths. They use theological statements. They're not people who are surrendered. And Minister Aisha and I have had this conversation before because there's a particular young lady who people have just flocked to her but her temperament and though she may speak some things that are truthful the demeanor and that which she presented is a terrible temperament but so many people have adopted this I'm just gonna 
I'm just saying it as it is. I'm just, uh, what's the phrase? Um, I'm not sugarcoating it. And there's, there's, there's a difference between sugarcoating and speaking in love. But sugarcoating, you really don't address the issue. You skirt around it. But speaking the truth in love is you're speaking the facts, but you're speaking it in the way that is edifying. But you have some leaders who are not looking to edify. They're not looking to glorify God. They're looking to self. And how do we know this? Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Think about that. The sweetness of the grape is not to be served with the, with the thorns. Could you imagine putting a grape in your mouth that is encircled with thorns? How painful that would be to your mouth when you close your mouth around something that's intended to give you nourishment, something that's intended to be sweet to taste, but it just leaves your mouth full of blood because it's encircled with thorns. People with nasty temperaments, leaders with nasty temperaments, leaders who who have no regard to how they treat people, they think they're being sweet. They can sound, you know, they can be theologically sound. They can pontificate with the best of them. You know, all these words that they use, they can do all of that. And they think that they're leaving a sweetness, but really all you're doing is leaving a bloody taste in somebody's mouth because you're not edifying them. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Leaders that raise other leaders in poor temperaments, they're leaving bad fruit. Here's the problem. So many people have been blinded to what bad fruit looks like because we made bad fruit look good. We've dressed up bad fruit and made excuses as to why this bad fruit is acceptable. You know how we do when we really have a piece of fruit and we really want it, right? I I got fruit in my room, y'all. I'm trying to be healthier so I keep my snacks close. But you ever have a piece of fruit that you really wanted so very bad and you've been hankering for it, you have a craving for it and you really want it, but you let it sit long enough that you didn't realize parts of it were spoiled. So instead of getting rid of the whole fruit, what do we try and do? We try to save the fruit by cutting off some of the rotten pieces. But sometimes you don't realize just how in-depth the rot has gotten until you start cutting it away. So we don't realize how rotten some people are And so Holy Spirit brings exposure and starts cutting some things away. Look what it says in the text. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, that's not nothing we revel at because we want all to be able to repent. So what do you do about leaders when you recognize that they are operating in a temperament that is not of God? You ask Holy Spirit, 
if it's if if it's his will for you to give them that word of wisdom to give them to lead them to God because just because you are a leader in God's church first of all doesn't mean that God put you there second of all even if you even if you are a leader that God ordained because sometimes people are drawn away because of certain issues so if you are a leader that has been drawn away you still have to ask Holy Spirit give me wisdom and opportunity to reveal to them again your biblical truth about the temperament and the way they are supposed to be treating your people and God give them the opportunity to repent and to turn if they choose not to repent and to return you shake the dust from your feet but you pray for them you know we make the mistake of sometimes trying to hound it and push it into them and push it into them I I want you to get this right because I don't want to see you you know fall completely to the wayside. I don't want to see God have to handle you harshly. I don't want to see you deal with the consequences of your actions. And sometimes we have to allow people to fall so that God can pick them up and restore them to where he wants them to be. But these leaders that are raising other leaders, all that we can do if we don't have access to them, because some of them are big, quote unquote, big time. If you don't have access to them, pray, Lord, send somebody that will speak a word of true revelation to them so that they can see that they're not really representing you the way in which they in which they think lord help them to see that though they may be speaking truth if it's void of love is still poisonous truth without love is poisonous is dangerous cuz if you deliver me if you deliver something again that's meant to nourish me but you deliver it in a way that it harms me i won't receive the nourishment just like that grape, if that grape is is in, is crowned with a thorn, a a, a a a crown of thorns, when I put when I put it in my mouth, that which was supposed to nourish me is causing me damage and pain. So I can't receive the nourishment. When you have a nasty temperament to people, even if what you are saying is truthful, you just nullify their ability to receive the nourishment. Because you presented it in the wrong way. You presented it in a harmful way. And a problem we had so much more, we'll do a part two next week because there are individual levels of accountability that God is going to walk us through when we get through to Galatians. Next week, we are going to Galatians 5 and 16. And we're going to walk through that thing because that's really the crux of being in control of our temperament. But I pray that on tonight that something was said or that I gave some clarity and revelation to some of the basic foundational aspects of being in control of our temperament. But next week, we're going to walk that thing all the way out with, with the aspects of temperament. Today, we, we kind of did an overview of temperament. Next week, we're going to dive into specific aspects of our temperaments. Amen. So any questions or comments? You can, as always, either unmute or drop something in the chat and I'll give us a moment to do that in case somebody is writing in the chat. No? No. Okay. I pray that class was clear. 
I pray that we are ready to continue to, to dive into this stewardship, to go further in this stewardship series. I pray that the Holy Spirit gives strength to each and every one of us um, as we continue to surrender ourselves and know that I, I mean ourselves, right? Again, I've even in just sharing um asking God to reveal a lot of times that's where we we falter we we recognize the faults and issues with everybody else but we don't ask God to reveal to us why we are comfortable being in a certain disposition and I can only speak to, for myself. I've had to ask God, God, I'm frustrated. And I need you to reveal to me why. Because it's not always the actions of other people. There is, it's, it's an internal work. So God, despite how, they're at, how they are acting, what is causing me or allowing me to stay or be or even get to a place of frustration where I am now, I'm not saying right now, but just um, being in that mindset or that that state of mind where um, it's a constant reflection. We, we have to be willing to ask Holy Spirit to reveal us to ourselves and not to be ashamed. It's not, when we ask God to reveal to us the ways that we are, right? I, I, again, I can only speak to myself. There have been times and it's still a great working that I've had to ask God, why, why, am I defensive? Why do I respond in a manner of shutting down or uh, a manner of protection? And it was because I've been through abusive situations. So that was the tenor of my language that became who I was until God began to tell me, that's not who you are. That's not who I created you to be. That's who you have become accustomed to being because of the situations and circumstances you have been through. But it's not who I, God, your father created you to be. And so even with that revelation comes cleansing. And so my prayer is as we continue to go through this steward, these stewardship principles, that as God gives revelation, we allow ourselves to be cleansed, especially in our temperament. Because as believers, there are just certain temperaments we ought not to be operating in in a consistent basis. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, for what was said or done. And I pray, Lord God, that something was said that has sparked something in each and every one of us, God, to call us to go back, to come to your throne, to come to your throne with the truth of who we are, with the truth of what we feel, with the truth of what we think, with the truth of what we've been through, with the truth of the ways that we operate that are outside of your will, with the truth of our emotions, with the truth of our actions, with the truth of our tongues, oh God, that we may be willing and able to surrender to you in full. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that we will no longer hide or we will no longer make excuses or we will no longer give ourselves out 
detour. We will no longer, oh God, find ways to justify why we act, say, and do some of the things that we do that are outside of your will for our lives. God, for every temperament that we have willfully operated in or every temperament that we have unconsciously operated with, uh, for every temperament that we have accepted and adopted as to who we are knowing full well, it is not you who you have called us to be. Father, I say, forgive us. God, I pray even now that you begin to demolish those things that exist in us that are not like you, the anger, the pride, the jealousy, the judgmental, being judgmental, the frustration, the depression, that any emotion, any temperament, any way of operating, that is not of you. God began to demolish it so that we can operate in the fruits of your spirit. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every fruit of our flesh, every fruit of the world, every fruit of our surroundings, every fruit of those elements that we have been predisposed to, every fruit in our bloodline. God, even the things in our bloodline, I pray, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, that you begin to do a destruction that we will no longer carry things, carry attitudes, carry behaviors, carry mindsets, oh God, that have been attached to us, that we were not created with. God, in the name of Jesus, everything that is attached to us that was not a part of your perfect plan and perfect will for our lives. God, I pray you destroy it, oh God. And I pray, oh God, that you do it in finality, oh God, so that it does not continue to trickle in our children. It doesn't begin to trickle in our grandchildren. It doesn't continue to trickle in the bloodline. God, let us be the the breakers of these attitudes, the breakers of these mindsets, the breakers of these societal norms, the breakers of of these uh, uh, norms that have come to be in your kingdom, oh God, regardless of how foolish we may look, regardless of who may stand against us, regardless of what they may say, God, we want to be the remnant that restores the true temperaments of the Lord Jesus Christ in your kingdom. So Father, I say, have your way in each and every one of us, oh God, that when we are in our homes, we are in our churches, we are in our jobs, when we are in the street, when we are in the supermarket, oh God, that people will see a true reflection of Jesus Christ in us, oh God. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you begin to tear down all of those temperaments, tear down all of those things that have been built up, tear down all of those things that have been casted down or not like you. God, begin to tear it down so that when the world goes looking for the remnant, when the world comes looking for you, they will find true representation in every believer that, oh, opens their mouth to say they believe in Christ Jesus. God, let our words be be salt, be, be, be tempered with grace, oh God. Let our words be tempered with your Holy Spirit, oh God. Let our actions, oh God, be dictated by your spirit and not our flesh. God, we thank you that in this season, oh God, that you are calling us to deeper, deeper depths in you, oh God, and truly in you, oh God, so that we can represent you in spirit and in truth. God, I pray for each and every person under the sound of my voice. I pray that you cover their households, oh God, their families, oh God, their finances, oh God, their situations and circumstances, their relationships, God. I pray that you cover them, oh God. I pray that you keep them, oh God. I pray that you move on their behalf, oh God, in the name of Jesus. 
and continue to keep us so that at the next appointed time of God, we can gather to hear from you, to, to sup with you, to be challenged by you, to be convicted, to be changed, to be encouraged, oh God, but more importantly, to grow and mature in you. Lord God is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 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 Thank you guys for always, always sticking with us. You know, we go over a little bit, a lot of bit, but uh, I thank God for each and every one of you for staying um, um, and really receiving what the Lord has for us. And it's not an easy series to go through. It's not an easy series to teach because as as I think Minister Josh said it on on Sunday, or he may have put it in his, or he may have posted it that we are the first partakers. So before I even got online, I was like, Lord, really, this will be doing today. But um, I know that in this season that God is challenging us because whatever, whatever is going to happen in this land, the Lord needs true representation so that when the people come running to the household of faith, they will find people willing and ready to accept them and lead them to the throne of grace so be blessed on tonight i'm a window open excuse me be blessed on tonight <laughs>